welcome to a brand new interview series by the Picture Books to Gang crew. Picture Books and Justice is a series where we interview a creator from the picture book world and get to know them a little better. To us, there's nothing better than a beautiful, spellbinding picture book that has social justice themes. The picture book world is a big, beautiful place, and we are excited to hear different experiences and opinions in a shorter time frame than our full-length Picture Books to Gang episodes. PB&J is your afternoon book snack, so let's dig in. Hey everyone, future Corey here. I had a wonderful time chatting with our guests this week, Roseanne and John. These two creators are bringing Latinx stories to life and bringing crucial representation. Last year, only 5.3% of primary characters were Latinx, according to the Cooperative Children's Book Center, so I especially appreciate the own voices lens that John Parra brings to his artwork. And I know I keep saying that PB&J episodes will be shorter than the typical bi-weekly ones, but I just get so caught up in chatting with our awesome guests. So I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Picture Books and Justice, where we have the chance to chat with creators from the publishing industry about their work and so much more. I'm Corey, and I'm delighted that I have the privilege today of speaking with author Roseanne Greenfield-Tong and illustrator John Para. Roseanne and John, thank you so much for joining me today. Sure. Pleasure to be here. Nice to be here. And um, I guess first, let's uh, talk a little bit about why you both got into writing and art, respectively. Roseanne, why don't you go first? (laughs) Gosh, so uh, I started writing when I was four, and I'm not sure it was a conscious choice. Um, It had a lot to do with a rule that my mom had in the household. Basically, kids could not get out of bed before 7 a.m. It was to give her peace of mind and to give her time to make our sandwiches in the morning and get out to work herself, probably to sleep in on the weekend. But what it did is it allowed me time in the mornings. I would get up about 5.30 or 6. It allowed me time to think and to create and to invent stories in my mind. And um, I read lots of Dr. Seuss and rhyming books when I was younger, and I loved rhyme and rhythm. And I would kind of experiment with a little notebook that I kept next to my bed. And I couldn't write all the words at that time, but I could write ideas. And then after I was allowed to get out of bed, I'd run and I'd tell my mom, hey, I made a poem. Here, look, here, I wrote down a couple words. And uh, so this really strange household rule led to some really good writing. And I kept a journal by my bedside uh, most of my time in grade school and even high school. And uh, I was very lucky to have a family that celebrated reading and writing. They really celebrated uh, literature. So we would go to the library once a week and we would carry as many books home as we possibly could. And so like, I think the limit was 25 and my brothers and I would have races like who could actually carry 25 books to the counter. Um, But when I would start writing these little poems, Um, my mom would celebrate them and call every single relative in the family, Miriam, did you hear? She's got another poem. And what the message was uh, that I got on my end is writing is cool. You have my support. And uh, she eventually sent one of my poems into the Pasadena Star News. I 
grew up in Pasadena, California, and they had a special column for kids called Wellington Woof. And he was like a cartoon dog. And if he liked your work, he would send you a check for three or four bucks. And uh, after some of these poems got published, um, I really got the message that uh, my parents thought I had a talent. I enjoyed it, whether it was talent or just uh, silliness. But uh, I kind of took off from them. I love that. I also love the mental image of a dog writing out a check for several dollars um, <laughs> and then, you know, like carrying it to the post office to mail. Uh, that's so funny. Um, thank you so much for sharing so much uh, from your childhood. And John, how about you? How did you get into creating the beautiful artwork that you create? Oh my gosh. Um, I think it was, it was, again, I was like Roseanne. I started very young. Um, I was always drawing and I loved, I loved uh, just being creative in that way. I, I was actually really influenced by my father. My father was a sort of an amateur artist and he would uh, draw for us. So that was like the initial inspiration. So I would get so excited when he would all sit around. I have two brothers, we'd all sit around and he would start drawing and telling us stories. And I, I just love that he would, you know, be, I was amazed, amazed at these little doodles that he would do. Like we'd be at a restaurant or be like on vacation, especially and he'd do these little doodles. So uh, initially that was probably my first um, inspiration to, to start doing art. And this was all before school. I was very young. And, and also the other thing that I am is I'm sort of an introvert by nature. Um, and so, but I, through art, through, through practicing art and getting better and better at it, I found that I had a voice in my art. And that really helped, my, like, helped me out. So like my self-esteem was very, was very strong with art. Like that was like who I was known as in school. It's like, oh, John, the artist. And, um, but not just John the artist, but also John the artist with a voice that I could draw things and make people happy and, and people would like it or they were interested in what I did. And, and, and I just never, ever wanted to let that go. I just thought, oh, that was really fun. This is really interesting. And, you know, and also on my mom, my mom would also take us to museums at a very young age or to the Natural History Museum and the library. So like Roseanne, we, we also frequented the library. And I think that's my first introduction to um, art also was through picture books. And I can remember looking through like Virginia Lee Burton at a very, very young age and just going, wow, look at these pictures, look at these images, this little house or, you know, this train or this whatever it was that uh, she had done. And I just remember specifically those pictures, which I, which I just love. And so then again, you know, those inspirations would, would motivate me to do more art. And so then I would go home and, and do, and do more things like that. So as time went on, <laughs> um, you know, I kept, I kept doing art and um, it was always a part of my school, you know, I'd have a class or two, but um, because I didn't know anybody that was a professional artist, I didn't know that I was going to actually do this for when I got older uh, as a grown-up um, until, until I was in uh, junior college and I was um, in uh, an art class and a visiting illustrator came to my class and I recognized his work and just electricity went through my body. Like, it was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. This is it. This is, this is the missing piece. Like I, I should have realized it a long time ago, but that was the missing piece. And I said, this is it. And from that moment on, 
um, I just wanted to go down that road, that path to being uh, an illustrator and artist. So. Cool. I love those really transformative moments in education that you can really think back to, you know, and have that be your lightning bolt moment. Um, and I can completely relate to you about being an introvert because I feel the exact same way where, you know, people, people can be scary sometimes. Uh, <laughs> introvert, me too. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All three of us. And then, so we'll start with John um, again this time. And so what sort of does a day look like for you? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's pretty typical. I wake up, um, you know, my wife or I make coffee. We, we, um, get started <laughs> have to have the coffee important uh, very important <laughs> and um you know I, I i think i i'm more creative in the morning time but i do you know kind of read my emails kind of just briefly but i like doing uh a lot of my creativity in the morning it seems like i'm fresh i'm right up but uh, especially if i could sleep you know i come out uh out of the gate and i'm ready to work um, so, you know, just, it could be just drawing and sketching or, or painting. It depends what stage I'm at on a project. Um, you know, usually, you know, you go through the whole drawing, uh, stages and, and approval stages first. Uh, once those sketches get approved, then you're moving on to the painting, uh, side of, um, the work. So, so that, that kind of takes up most of the, the big chunk of the morning. Um, you know, have a lunch, have a nice time, talk to, and now that we're, my wife's working from home right now, so, you know, we have a little lunch together, we hang out, and then sometimes I do kind of like a paperwork uh, afternoon sort of thing, or just follow up with maybe some of the art, depends how uh, dedicated I am to finishing a certain picture. And, but I also like to, I also want to make sure that I'm looking at other art other artists throughout the day, you know, especially in the afternoon, I have more time to kind of like, I'm still a fan. I, I'm a fan just like anybody else. I love looking at other people's work, their artists, and it gets me so inspired. And, and that's one of the great things about being, doing the job that I do is that I now get to meet with them and even consider some of them friends. And it's just, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. So, so by the time I get to uh, through, you know, through the rest of the day and then, you know, the day winds down and, you know, obviously I have dinner, but, um, you know, I, I do a little cleanup and um, I love a good book at night and um, that's it. So that's pretty much my, my full day. Very nice. And one quick follow-up question and then I want to know all about your day, Roseanne. Um, John, do you work on more than one book at a time or do you only work on one book through completion? I have worked on more than one book at a time, although I, I probably I like to focus on just one book at a time. Mm -hmm. It helps me really because I go in I go in deep. I go in like, you know, like method acting sort of like you just, <laughs> I really feel like that. I really become a part of that story. I really get into the art so much that it's like really kind of just a deep thing. So to have another book, it's sort of, it's sort of like kind of like turning me in two and putting one over here and one over there. So it's just how I, I do it. Not to say that I don't work on a number of projects at the same time, like but two books is very heavy because it takes uh, six to eight months uh, for me to complete a book. So again, it takes a long time for me to do it. 
which I think that is way longer than a lot of people think it takes to, you know, create the beautiful illustrations that you do. They both, Roseanne and John, have worked on Round as a Tortilla, Green as a Chili Peppers, you know, a handful of other ones. I could I could go on forever. Uh, but Roseanne, what does your day look like? Well, I have some similarities with John. I'm actually a teacher, though. And I've taught uh, for 35 years, mainly English and social science. So I have to conscientiously create a space for writing. Um, But I do schedule writing. I schedule it into my calendar. Sometimes it might be during spring break. I'll pick five or six days. Uh, During the summer is a wonderful opportunity. And sometimes just out of the blue, like I might be running and get a great idea. And then I come home and I'm up all night till two or three in the morning and then go, "Uh oh, I've got to wake up in three hours. (laughs) uh, I have a routine that starts the same way that John's does. So if I have a dedicated writing day, um, when I had when my daughter Maya was younger, I would post signs all over the house. Mom's writing, love you, don't open the door. (laughs) Uh, Unplug the phone, don't answer the door. Basically, this is a uh, special day. Everybody else go away. Uh, Without a cup of coffee, nothing happens. (laughs) And I get up very early, like John, I'm a morning person. Um, I have to run for 20 or 30 minutes, get on the treadmill if the weather's bad go outside if the weather's good, or get on my bike. And if I don't have 20 or 30 minutes of vigorous activity, um, I make it till about 11, 12, you know, about lunchtime. And I am just like, oh, I've got to get out of the house. I'm naturally uh, not meant to be in a house or be in one room or be sedentary. I don't know if ADHD runs in my family, but I feel the jitters. So if I knock myself out, it does a few really positive things. First, it gets the juices flowing in your brain. It real for me, it really does. Exercise uh, helps me focus. It helps me think. I often solve problems when I'm running. They might be problems about life. They might be problems about a storyline that I'm working on. And then the second great thing it does for me is just to deal with this issue of I'm so jittery in my chair. I can't keep my behind in the chair all day long. Uh, When I was much younger, I had to run two times a day. So I'd make it to lunch and then I'd eat, wait for the food to digest, do another run (laughs) and come back. So, um, and I do end my day similarly to John uh, reading great books. It's just a part of life. Um, And so Netflix, I have to say, is always interfering with my reading time. (laughs) And sometimes I consciously say, like, I'm putting three nights aside for reading this great book. Otherwise, I'll never finish it. And John also mentioned something. Oh, yeah, connecting with other, seeing examples of other writers or other illustrators. Uh, This is a little bit hard to do, harder for me to do now that we're not meeting in person as often. Um, I used to go to large or small bookstores and just, you know, sit down in the evenings and read stuff from the stacks. Uh, I used to connect with writers in person. 
now what I do is I get on Instagram and I follow people, including John, that I'm a big fan of and I get ideas. And like, I, I love this one Instagram site called uh, Save, Save With Stories. And it's a site that reads books to children every night. And these books inspire me. So I'm enjoying having somebody read me a picture book every night. Uh, there's lots of free sites now that people are putting out. It makes me feel part of a community when we are becoming a bit isolated in our own homes recently. Absolutely. You know, maintaining the aspect of community is, I think, something all of us have been experimenting with over the last few months um, and sort of figuring out what works best for us, even though Zoom fatigue is so real. And I definitely uh, have had it at points, but, you know, it's it's still a wonderful option. And all right, so I'm going to give you a hypothetical here. Um, and you're going into a store, you're looking at a shelf of picture books, and you have to pick out a gift for somebody, you know, sort of what is something that draws you in about a book when you see it on the shelf? And anybody can answer, because we're going rogue here. I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm always drawn to the artwork. I can't lie. It's just something I just naturally will do. I'll look at the art. If I, if I, if it catches my eye, if I say, Ooh, this looks interesting, like just beautiful. Um, and I think that that's just a, a natural response that I have. But, um, but then it also has to be the subject matter. Like, oh, then I'll like the second, my second read will be, Oh, so what's this book about? And like, if it's something, Oh, Oh, this is kind of cool. This is interesting. You know, I, I have to be, have that, um, you know, have that connection. For sure. And who, who would you say are some of the illustrators that you gravitate towards? <laughs> I'm not trying to make you call out anybody or not call out anybody. Uh, you know, just. <laughs> I, wow, that's, that's a list that's going to be too long to mention. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. And, it's hard-hitting and, journalism here. And it, well, I mean, it's just, it's just such a long list. It really is. I, and I always feel bad because I probably would leave like a ton of people off. But a lot of the people I are, are, are friends of mine, Rafael Lopez, who I've probably known the longest in this business, um, is one of the top people that I always, when I see his work, I always recognize it, A, right away, and B, that it's just such a pleasure to see because he's such a talented, wonderful artist and person. And I love looking at his work. But again, there's just so many um, other illustrators that, uh, oh my gosh, it's, you know, just, you go down the list, Gigi Morales, Juana Nino Martinez, um, uh, Sophie Blackall, um, uh, uh, John Klassen, um, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting all the names now. It's like, oh, this is terrible. But I mean, there's just, just this incredible, um, you know, um, and I love also up and coming artist illustrators that I that I get to meet and get to talk to uh, those are also really fun to, to see how they're they're doing their work and and, and uh, maybe they were inspired by maybe some of us and and but they have a new spin on it and I just love I love that I love think, seeing those the, the, them come up and if I can talk to them oh it's just it's such a pleasure so yeah 
Oh, I totally agree. And I love the list that you uh, gave to, which we'll put down in the show notes as well. So everybody listening can check out um, all the fantastic artists uh, that John mentioned. So Roseanne, all right, same question. You walk into to a bookshop, what would draw you in? Probably the same thing. So um, I love interesting art. I love provocative titles something that really draws you in and makes you pick it up and it reaches out to you. Um, I tend to go for either really beautiful, beautifully done artwork or seriously funny artwork or something that's drawing you into a different world, a world that's different than your own, um, but somehow is making you feel really comfortable and, and wanting to go on that journey. So I would say those three different things. Uh, but I'll read the first page or two. If the words don't catch my interest, then, you know, I'm on to the next book. So definitely the, uh, the cover, the cover art draws me in. I agree with you. Also, the color palette is very important to me. You know, if it's like personal preference, like the jewel tones that I really enjoy, then I'll be like, oh, what's that in mustard yellow? Uh, <laughs> so um, as you probably heard in the title, you know, Picture Books and Justice, we, I sort of, you know, like to ask questions about um, maybe social justice education and sort of, you know, different things surrounding that um, and the publishing industry. So I wanted to know what you two think needs to change about the publishing industry because, you know, I think we're in a time of social change and momentum and I don't want the momentum to slow down. And so I'm wondering if you two have any, have any thoughts on that? I, I really do. In fact, uh, it's interesting. You mentioned social justice. Uh, the high school that I teach at, we're currently having a school-wide, we call it PBL. It's project-based learning, where we stop teaching history or math or science out of a book for a couple weeks a year. And uh, we have a different theme every year. This, this, this year we're doing social justice. I think it's incredibly important. And um, I think when you're teaching about history, it's really important to connect the past and the present. Um, I see a trend kind of uh, predating our voices and Black Lives Matter. I'd say like the last four, five years, the pace has been picking up and publishers have been putting out books that reach a multiplicity of kids from a multiplicity of backgrounds. But I think it's not enough. I think it's a great trend. And I think social justice is a wonderful message. I don't think you can be too young to pick up a picture book that exemplifies that theme. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. Sorry. You are. I picked, I picked up on the word social justice and I went off in a different direction. But um. no, that was great. And I completely agree with you. I don't think that anybody can ever be too young, you know, and especially teaching high school too. I have early education experience and so primarily teaching, you know, three, four, five year olds. And it's like building that foundation, starting young, teaching the holistic histories, you know, instead of just the, the whitewashed Eurocentric education that I think a lot of children grow up with. You know, a, 
I think it's important to have uh, a lot of breadth and depth on your kids' bookshelves, too. Like, uh, it's important that your own culture is reflected in, in the books you're reading. So no matter what culture that is, you want to have books that represent your world. Uh, and I think that validates uh, kids' hobbies and backgrounds and tastes. But I also think you want to have books on the bookshelf that represent the entire rainbow of the community, if you will, because we're never in isolation. And we never... So I think to empathize with others, we have to understand them first. And to understand them, if we don't have a first-hand basis, if, if we're not friends with somebody from a different culture because our community demographics are like that, uh, we need to know through other means. And I think kids' books are a great way to do that. I completely agree with you. John, do you... What do you think? Way in here. Well, I'd love no, to know I mean, your opinion. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, it's a it's a movement that um, you know is so important right now, and it's 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 wonderful to see the the energy and the power behind it. You know, at this time, um, you know, I remember twenty years, more than twenty years ago now, that when I started doing as a professional illustrator. Um, there wasn't a lot of voices, especially in the publishing, you know, like, or any industry. It's, it just seemed like, um, for me anyway, it seemed like it was very hard for me to find work, find, find things. Most people didn't know what to make of my art. They thought, oh, this is like Southwest art. What is, what kind of stuff are you doing? So they didn't understand. I, nothing out of meanness necessarily, just sort of out of, you know, like, it was an unaware kind of a thing. And I, I like that now we are be we've become aware. Now, I always knew that things would change, you know, that this, this was going to happen in a sense. I always felt it in my heart, like, we're moving forward. It just takes time. And sure enough, you know, like Roseanne said about five, you know, four or five years ago, when they were even talking about, you know, books and diversity in books and things like this, it's like, well, what are you guys been waiting for? I've been waiting for this for 15 years, you know, like, so... <laughs> But I mean, at the same time, I, I was happy. I was glad to see it starting, starting. And um, that's, that's the thing. This is a good start. And like Roseanne said, you know, having representation of yourself as well as other people, you know, you surround yourself um, with these stories. You, you do find that empathy. Um, to me, books are like traveling. You know, the more you travel, the more you meet other people from different cultures outside of your own maybe comfort zone. Um, is a great way to, um, you know, destroy racism, um, just, you know, build friendships, build connections. You know, this is the kind of thinking and this is the kind of thing we need that books can do, that can do. And I, I just love that power and to diversify and to see different stories from, from everyone, from everyone. Uh, is a wonderful thing, but I think it again. It, it uh, the more we do it, the it, it the, uh, the better it's going to be. I, I just want to mention. I think John's illustrations, the the work he's doing on his most recent books, they're really on the cutting edge of this movement. It's like every time I see a a book that's about you know social justice or uh, really rich in diversity, I'm like, oh wow, that's John! Awesome. <laughs> You're my big fan, and it's not just because you make my words look so beautiful. <laughs> oh, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. I mean, again, I'm having the time of my life at the same time. This is just a pleasure. 
And uh, when I do also pick a project, I, I love just getting to the heart of stories too, like stories that apply to all of us, that we all relate to, that we all connect with. It's not, it's not like, I'm not trying to, you know, single out anything or anybody or any group. And I just, I love, I love community. I love, but being, you know, like being yourself also is important to me and just, I don't know all these, I think we could sell up. There's so much to celebrate, you know, I don't see a need for, um, you know, <laughs> for, you know, like the comp competition sort of aspect of it, I guess. Uh, it, to me, it's a celebration of all, of all things that are interesting because I find it all interesting, you know, so. I, I, I love what you said about the universality. Is that how to say it? What is universal from people of many different backgrounds? And, you know, the reason I started writing my, uh, well, I started with books that focused on Asia because I lived in Asia for most of my adult life. And um, I really internalized that, that culture. And in fact, when I came back a few years ago, I felt the U.S. was uh, a little bit foreign to me. But what was important is that I was teaching young children, and including my own daughter, uh, about basic shapes, themes, colors, uh, universal ideas that kids in any country or any culture uh, relate to. But what's really weird is, let's say I'm in Hong Kong, and we're reading books that say, round is a pumpkin on Halloween. And the kids are like, Halloween? Pumpkin? You know, it's not related to their life. And I just thought it was so important that books be... Um, how do I say, like a two-way portal kind of, uh, where kids in Asia can say round is a mooncake, round is a bowl of noodles. I get that. But round is also something like a round table or a cup of tea that kids in any country or any culture can understand. So um, this is how I got started. It was meant to, um, I was frustrated as a teacher and a parent John was saying when he got started, there wasn't a lot of uh, multicultural books and people didn't know how to slot you or what to make out of you. And to me, it's just common sense. You want kids who make a connection to their real life, learn faster, they relate, they become excited. And it's a two-way learning street. So Round is a Tortilla is not just about, you know, that particular culture it's something that kids of all backgrounds can reach out and say okay i have round things in my house wow i've never had a tortilla before what does it taste like it looks wonderful so um yeah i think that we're on the same same page john for sure for sure and I also love that both of you are sort of, you know, not only bringing in pieces of your own life, but also aspects of so many other lived experiences too, into your profession and also into this conversation. Both of you are creators in the publishing industry, doing different things, working together, working with lots of other folks. And what would be your biggest piece of advice, um, you know, to parents, caregivers, educators about how to make their bookshelf the best bookshelf possible? Well, I think Roseanne was hitting on it earlier, which just have like a, a diverse, you know, have a books about as many things as you can, you know, and you, you know, you could start by taking your kids to the library. My mom took us to the library when we were very young. We didn't need much encouragement to go out and just grab books we liked and were interested in, but she also picked out books 
she thought we might need to see. And that's a kind of a key thing to keep that enthusiasm, you know, for kids. Sometimes you don't, you know, they, they go, oh, you know, because they get a little older and they're like, well, you know, I'm not really into books and, you know, and stuff like that. But I mean, it's like if you allow them to be in charge of what they like, plus giving them these, these other books that you think, hey, this is also interesting or could be related to something you like, um, I think that's a, a big part of it and um, just have fun um, with it. Also, I think uh, some of the books that we do also have like these kind of workshop um, um, papers that they come with. I always forget the teacher's guides, but also like uh, art, art, art kind of uh, craft things. So you can kind of like um, have a book um, and do something kind of related to the book, like, you know, interactive with, with your kids. And I think that's kind of a fun way to make it more real um, and, and yeah, be educational fun. We do this with our granddaughter all the time. So I have her paint and she comes over and um, she's actually, um, <laughs> she's actually painting on some of my books now because like she comes over and she sees me while I'm painting at, at my, my studio and she says, um, She's like, oh, so what are you working on? And then like, uh, it's like, uh, oh, I'm working on a new book. And I was like, well, can I help you paint? And then I, we mix the paints together and I max things off. And then I let her do the, you know, put the paint in, in some of the areas. And then she, she knows she did that. So it's like, now she has ownership. She feels like I'm a part of this now. And I love that. I love that she can be a part of that. You know, and I think just be making that, you know, also that, that extra connection of doing something creative um, with the books that you like can be kind of fun too. I love that story so much. That's so sweet. It's so empowering. Uh, I also, you know, feel the same way when I was in the classroom and would garden with kids, you know, the sense of ownership that they felt like I grew this plant and now I can eat part of it, <laughs> you know, and their parents might be like, but they don't eat tomatoes at home. And I'm like, well, they, they, grew this tomato though so they're at least gonna give it a try you know or green yeah. bean what have you you know it's sort of about like instilling the the confidence in children that they can do these things and then you know celebrating i love that know, john are you gonna have her um uh, is she going to be listed as one of the illustrators? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're working out the royalties right now. Uh, <laughs> Each brush stroke is worth a buck. <laughs> well, she used to come to some of my book signings and like sometimes, you know, like, you know, if, if it was okay with the person buying the book, sometimes she'd sign the book because I would tell the person, you know, that she did part of this like, painting here. So they were very kind. And, and this is this is exactly what I mean by when I was saying my parents celebrated writing, John is celebrating artistry for his kids. I think that's, that's a great, such a great message that um, this isn't just frivolous stuff. John, can I tell you something really sad that a student told me about 15 years ago? Oh, no. uh, I, I was teaching an ESL class uh -huh. and I asked this one girl to illustrate the little paragraph that she had just written and I said okay we don't have enough time take it home and do it and she left it on the table and I called her and I said come back you forgot it she goes no I can't take that home my parents will be angry because art is not appropriate homework in their minds they want to see me writing 
you know, pages and essays. And I just went, oh my gosh, that's, that's tell them that Miss Greenfield <laughs> won't let you get a good grade unless you do. I always, I always tell, uh, like I always have this little like soapbox speech about art and, you know, art in school, especially, you know, at all ages, art in school isn't necessarily uh, to create more artists when they grow up. Art in school is to create, uh, to teach kids how to think creatively and problem solve creatively. Um, is it fun? Sure, absolutely. If you continue with it, great. If you want to become a professional artist, that is a wonderful thing, but a separate kind of conversation. But it's like, and it doesn't, if it's art or music or drama or poetry or writing or whatever it is, that those creative, um, you know, teachings that you have in school are so important that parents, they, it's like, if I, I just want to like tell them this, it's like, you don't understand. This is not so your child will be this. This is so your child will think independently, creatively, problem solve. I mean, how many times, I mean, this is what we need in the world, this the creative problem solving. So I just, it drives me crazy that people think like this is frivolous stuff. It's not, it's the most, most important things like I can think of. My last question to you, which also might be very difficult because I wanted to know uh, what some of the best books you've read so far this year have been. Okay, I, I don't have as much time to read as I used to. And it's basically teaching kids in China and in the US simultaneously, different hours, different schedules. But there are a couple that I love. Um, so I'll talk about children's books mainly, and then uh, one middle grades reader that um, we're using at our school that I think is fantastic. Awesome. Um, so Miranda Paul, I know that uh, John has illustrated one of her books, Little Libraries and Big Heroes. It's about the free little lending library sensation. I am enamored with people who stick out these little libraries on their you know, front lawn. And I just think the message is community sharing. And it's such a heartwarming story. John, I'm so glad you got to illustrate it. Uh, as soon as um, I read it, I had to do it. It was like, and then when I found out, I got to talk to Todd, the guy who created this whole thing. Oh my oh, God. You did. Yeah, oh unfortunately he passed away, but I mean, uh, it was just, yeah, I love that story. Sorry, I'm interrupting. <laughs> No, not at all. And then so she has another book out. I'm not sure how old it is. But after I read that, I started looking up her work. And I read uh, One Plastic Bag. And it's a story of the women of Gambia and how they formed this recycling mentality in their communities. So I really uh, love Miranda. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to many more of her books. I read That Is My Dream, a picture book of Langston Hughes' dream variation. I just got a chance to see that. The artwork, it's just like the poem is a bird that has wings. And it's just, um, it's done so beautifully. So you asked me earlier what kind of books I look for. The art in that book uh, would just make me want to grab it off the shelf. And sometimes I read older books that I just love. Like I was cleaning out my bookshelf because we're stuck indoors and have nothing to do half the time. And um, so I really love Faith Ringgold's Tar Beach. And that's an older book. I think it came out in 1991, but it just makes me sore. It's about uh, a young girl 
who's lying on the very top of a tenement building in New York. And the tar is referring to the black tar paper that's lied down. And as she's lying there, she's imagining, envisioning that she's flying all over the city, uh, you know, understanding what's going on in different people's lives and going on a journey. And so those are the, the children's books that have touched me this year. Uh, the middle grade reader that I really love, uh, I want to get the title right. Uh, it's called Refugee by Alan Gratz. And uh, so it's geared towards maybe fourth through seventh grade. That's basically the age range, possibly eighth grade. Uh, it's about three journeys of three young refugees in different time periods. So one is a young boy fleeing Nazi Germany in the 1930s. The second story is about a young girl in the 1990s fleeing Cuba. And uh, the third one is, sorry, I'm trying to remember. It's a Syrian refugee. And that one takes, it's, it's very con contemporary, like maybe five years ago. And what's interesting is the book sets it up where you're reading these three individual journeys of kids who are, you know, 12, 13 years old. And then the last chapter, there's an amazing tie-in where these three separate lives come together. It's a really a beautiful ending. Um, there's a crossover that connects all three of these stories. So um, I really recommend that book. Wonderful. Well, I have a few more books now to add to my reading list, my never-ending reading list. It only gets longer. <laughs> and John, how about you? Um, I, well, I'm just going to pick a few because there's so many, again, that I, I've looked at. I'll start with a couple of children's books. Uh, the Day You Begin by Jacqueline Woodson and Rafael Lopez. Um, I just, again, that book is just amazing, just wonderful. I, uh, Raph and I would talk, Raphael and I were talking about this. Uh, uh, we were having lunch, I forget, um, last year. And so we were just discussing all the concepts and ideas when he was, uh, what that was in the book. And it's interesting how, like, um, how we, how like some, uh, some of the art directors thought, well, we don't know about this idea, but what about this idea? So we were like, uh, and I said, and I totally got it right away. We were like saying, but well, that was the best part about this, this picture. Um, and of course the story, um, that, that Jacqueline wrote is, is, is wonderful. So I love that picture book and it's about a, you know, a girl who's, who goes on her first day of school and, but it's also about other kids that are just, they feel differently. They're out of, you know, that, that are adjusting to this new, um, sort of, uh, classroom environment. And, um, I just, I, I think it's just a, a really sweet story there and interesting. Um, I like, I like a story that has that heart, um, and a little bit of a challenge in it. Um, uh, Vamos by Raul Gonzalez. I think he's a Boston, uh, uh guy up there now. <laughs> Woohoo, uh, Boston. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Vamos, let's go to the market. I think it's, uh, it's a series I think he's, he's doing and it, He's kind of got this really uh, graphic novel style of um, art, really cool um, characters that are so, so great and wonderful. Um, I, we did an art trade, which is um, uh, last year, which is a lot of fun. And so I, he has one of my pieces, I have one of his pieces, um, and I have a piece from this book. Um, and it's, it's really cool. And, stuff. and I, I, I think that, that kind of like reminds me a lot of, um, um, you know, when I was younger and spending time with my aunts um, uh, who are 
they used to cook these Mexican dishes that were outstanding tamales and food and stuff. So it's about this, these characters that go to this market and all sorts of funny things sort of happen in the book and stuff like that. But it just sort of has that feel about it. Just reminds me of family and stuff like that. Um, there's another book called The Little Gardener by Emily Hughes uh, that I like. Uh, just, I was struck by the artwork and then I started looking at it and reading it. I love plants. I love um, gardening as well. When I was growing up, um, uh, my dad was a landscape, um, uh, was a landscape contractor. So I used to work for my dad and we used to work on a lot of projects and he loved gardening and stuff like that. So I kind of, I got a little bit of that from him. Um, and I just enjoy nature. Um, so that was, that was a thing. Some of the, some of the other books, like older, um, YA stuff, uh, this is kind of a cheat, but it's Letters from Cuba by Ruth Behar, which I actually did the, the book cover for. So um, I got an advanced uh, manuscript and got to read that. And I love reading the whole story. I want to know the whole story. So when I start a project like that, I, I do is I like to do my research. I like to, you know, get in, get in, read the whole thing, do everything that I possibly can to visualize everything about the, the book. So um, but I love the story. So it's a, it's a book that's coming out next week. And it's about a young uh, Jewish girl from Poland who's fleeing just be on the eve of like World War II. She goes to Cuba with her father and they have to start a new life there. And um, it's, it's a very challenging um, life at first. So it's, it's a very, but it's a very heartwarming, moving story. So I like that one. Uh, the other ones I read was Owl's Outstanding Donuts by Robin Yardy. And it's sort of like a mystery whodunit kind of thing with um, a sort of um, environmental issues going on. And it's set in Big Sur and I originally from California. So I love that area up there. And I just, it's got this really kind of sort of a Scooby-Doo-ish kind of like mystery thing going on. But I love that. I just... It's, it's, it's very well written and Robin did a wonderful job. I just had a, a just enjoyable time reading it. That was a book that I just, you just kind of have fun and just enjoy it. I love, I love stuff like that. Um, and then the last book, uh, The Epic Fail of Arturo Zamora uh, by Pablo Cartaya. Uh, um, and it's about a young um, boy in Miami who's uh who works in his uh family's restaurant uh cuban um restaurant and it's it's about big families and you know um also challenges from outside and and how um you know the there's a developer that wants to take over the neighborhood type of thing um but it's just kind of it's it's a really great story it's got a lot of heart it's about you know falling down and picking yourself up and keep going kind of a story and um those are good stories to tell and i love I really like that one as well. Cool. Well, adding all those to my list, read, read a couple of the ones that you guys have mentioned, but um, super interested in the letters from Cuba one. That one sounds really interesting. So Roseanne and John, I think this brings us to the end of our chat, which is a huge bummer because I very much enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> But I appreciate both of you hanging out with me so much, chatting uh, for Picture Books and Justice. Thank you very much. Thanks. It was great being here. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Picture Books to Gang podcast and more specifically the Picture Books and Justice episodes. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can drop us a comment on Instagram and let us know what are you reading?